what a week it has been. Christmas, and then the celebration of this old man. <laughs> the kids and I have enjoyed every minute of the planning. We've been planning for months, and uh, we were able to have a great party last night, some surprises, some surprise greetings, and uh, in keeping with the celebration, we anticipated that he, since Steve is so old, that he would be worn out from dancing <laughs> last night, <clears throat> that um, maybe we could give him a break on a Sunday morning. Although I did allow him to go ahead and prepare his sermon and do his studying and everything like that to um, think he was going to preach. And he has a great sermon prepared about the year 50, the number 50, and the year of Jubilee. And, but the beauty in that, as it's been said before, he'll be 50 for an entire year. So there are plenty of opportunities for him to preach that sermon. So I went to the pastoral staff and proposed the idea that we take over the service and prepare a sermon between all of us to give him the morning off. And um, in talking with them, we thought it would be appropriate to talk about leadership since Steve is our leader, the leader of this house. And Matt asked me this morning, did I have a title? Did we have a title for it? And I didn't really think about it, but I guess we could call it Follow the Leader. It would be a great title for uh, this morning. Uh, Pastor Moses, I don't know if you planned it or not, but the worship was very appropriate for a 50-year-old man. Um, I will live. It's not over. I don't know if you were trying to tell him something, but I think that he got the message. Follow the leader. I have been following this man for almost 25 years, well, over 25 years, because we dated two and a half years before um, he got up enough guts to ask me to marry him. <laughs> but I've been following him for a very, very long time. And there are certain attributes that um, a good leader will have. And um, in thinking of this man as a leader and a leader in our household, a leader to me, leader to the church, uh, the attribute that I thought of was dignified. But I wanted to change it a little bit because Steve is dignified, but Steve is undignified. Um, from the very beginning, uh, Steve was undignified, if you'll give me that allowance, in his worship. You know, in college, when I first met him, he was a part of the uh, super spiritual group. We called him the, the toe jumpers because, you know, when they would pray, they would, you know, do this little move. They would pray and jump on their toes, so they were toe jumpers. <laughs> Steve was a part of that group. Steve was so undignified in his worship that on Friday nights when the rest of us would go out and just have a good time, he would join with his fellow toe jumpers and do something really undignified like pray or uh, do a Jericho march around the chapel on campus praying for a revival. He was very, very undignified. Steve, Steve's very... Um, He's very overt in his worship, and uh, I'm thankful for that. I'm so thankful for that. Um, I want to give you the uh, scripture base when I was praying about this. I want to lead you to 2 Samuel 
chapter 6, and I'm just going to touch on a few sir, uh, scriptures. Uh, everybody should, um, if you make a resolution to read through the Bible in 2014, you'll get to 2 Samuel early in the year. Spend a lot of time studying King David. This story is about uh, King David going after the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant is where the Spirit of God rested, the presence of God. And David knew, King David knew that without the presence of God, there was no power, there was no victory, there was no health or prosperity, nothing. Everything he needed resided in the power and the presence of God. And so David went after the presence of God. His first attempt was not very successful. So he went after sulking a little bit and praying and seeking God, he went back to retrieve the presence of God. And as he was coming back in verse 12, it says, so David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fattened, fatted animal. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting with the sound of the horn. As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, whom also is the wife of David, looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. And David returned to bless his household, but Michael, the daughter of Saul, the wife of David, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel honored himself today, uncovering himself before the eyes of his servants, female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel the people of the Lord, and I will celebrate before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this, and I will be abased in your eyes. But by the female servants of whom you've spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child the day to that day to the day of her death. That is, that is an alarming and eye-opening scripture for all of us. I'm so thankful that my husband is undignified and in his worship, I should say, undignified in your worship. David, the second time he went to get the ark, he would take, long story short, they would take six steps carrying the ark and then they stopped and they would sacrifice an ox, which is a rather large animal and a fattened uh, lamb. So you have to imagine every six steps, you're stopping and you're sacrificing, which means a lot of blood, a lot of sweat, a lot of dirt, a lot of smoke. So by the time David reaches the city and he has the presence of God and he knows what this is going to do for Israel, he knows what this is going to do for him. He is rejoicing because he has sacrificed. He has covered himself in the blood of that sacrifice. He's dirty. He's a priest. He has on a linen little ephod, a linen dress. So he's pretty bloody by that time. So I'm sure he even appeared naked at times because of the blood-drenched garment that he had on. 
But he is so caught up in the presence of God and bringing the presence of God home to his people and for him that he is rejoicing, he's dancing, he's praising. And let me tell you, it wasn't just standing, come on, people, lift your hands. No, people, really, come on, lift your You know, it wasn't a, a pulling out. He was rejoicing. God was with him. God was going to be with his country. There was a, there was a cause for it. The key to this all is, is his wife. The warning is his wife. Because she looked at him, and she looked at him in with, with contempt. Who does he think he is? All these young girls are looking on him. He's naked. He's dancing around wild. She totally did not see the reality of the situation. I want to encourage you as a congregation. I know that in our home, Steve, what you see here, worship and leading and the desire of the presence of God, what you see here is what we get at home. Can ask our children. I am thankful that my children to this day know what it is to worship God. It is, it is, it's vital to seek after the presence of God. I want us to be careful as we move into 2014. We have so many resolutions. And I would say everybody, almost everybody, except you really skinny people, your resolution is, oh, I'm going to lose weight. Oh, I'm going to do this. Oh, I'm going to be. Seriously. Seriously. Our resolution for 2014, first and foremost, is that we should seek after the presence of God like there is no tomorrow. That we should be drenched in the blood of the sacrifice. That we should be dancing wildly and praising him that he is here and he is among us that should be first and foremost we should follow the leader i believe with all my heart that steve is here for this season to pull us in the presence of god is here every sunday let me also let me also encourage you dads i'm gonna i'm gonna just take a moment to encourage you you fathers where's your family where are your children where's your wife is your wife here with you this morning are your children here with you this morning? Are you the leader of your home? If you're the leader of your home, then you need to get on the priestly garment. You need to cover in the sacrifice, and you need to get in the presence of God, but you need to lead your family into the presence of God. Ladies, if you're single mothers, where's your, where is your family? Are they home? Is there something more important that they're home? Get him to the house of God, the presence of God. I understand that the presence of God is with us no matter where we go because we have the Holy Spirit. But let me just say, let me ask, I know for a fact, am I going to sit and watch Duck Dynasty or am I going to practice the presence of God in my home? It's just the reality of the situation. It is important for us to come as a family and get in the presence of God in the sanctuary to come together because there is power power the presence of god there's power there's freedom there's victory it's so important teenagers what are you doing what are you doing let me say if you find yourself becoming more excited about an instagram picture post than something that is posted in the word of god it is time to get back into the presence of god Let's get excited about what is God is doing. There's going to be a day that we do not have, we may not have this opportunity 
to gather together and to worship in freedom and to be able to express ourselves. We have that opportunity. We need to live like there is no tomorrow, people. We need to live for eternity. I'm going to wrap this up. Michael, she looked at David and she got all put out. You crazy, stupid man, what are you doing? Right? And the consequence for her little attitude and her feelings is that she was barren. Nothing alive came out of her to the day of her death. You might think that ju that just means a baby. I think it means a little bit more. Nothing living came out of her till the day she died. Let's examine our hearts. I don't ever want to sit on that pew and think, what do they think they're doing? What do they think they're, that's just ridiculous. They dance every Sunday. Oh, they raise their hands. Let's not do it. The presence of God is valuable. Listen, this year, if you have never taken the opportunity to just wave your hands, to get out, to move back and forth, try it. Try it. The presence of God is here. We don't have to go get it. We don't have to go get it. But let's practice the presence of God. Let's follow this leader. Let's follow the leader and become undignified this year in our worship. Hate to be the guy to follow that up. Oh, wait, I am. So I'm going to have to try. Well, um, so when my mom came to everyone with this idea, I thought it would be really cool. But, and of course, she came up with the idea, and she also wanted to do it right. And since we're doing it for my dad and uh, in honor of my dad, you know, we decided we'd have to do all the same letter, of course, you know, right? We've got to do this right. So uh, I was thinking of words describe my dad that start with the letter D, you know, and of course, dad comes to mind, but I thought you guys wouldn't appreciate, you know, that'd be too easy, didn't think I put enough thought. He also has uh, diverticulitis, I thought that might be a good one, but, you know, I kind of went a different route, I didn't go with either of those. Uh, the word that I think describes a leader and my dad is uh, determined, and uh I think a leader has to be determined because when I think of the word determined, I think of like, like William Wallace from Braveheart, a rugged looking warrior with paint on his face, ready to just go after someone. And he's determined, like, I don't, that's just what comes to my mind. And, uh, and so my dad, he has determination. I mean, you guys have heard some of his sermons using all of the same letters and all the same rhyming little things. That takes some determination. I mean, his sermons, some of them are like a game of categories. Seriously. I'm sorry to tell you, but God doesn't give double points if you use the same letters or something like that. But sometimes him being determined has been a fault for him, even. I remember one year I, I got my dad a skateboard for Christmas. Because at the time, skateboarding was cool. I was like 12. We, every, all my friends were skateboarding, so I was really into it. And so I thought it would be awesome to give my dad a skateboard for Christmas. And, uh... Had it like custom made for him. And so I, after months of bugging him to come, come out and ride it with me, he finally did. Which, now that I say that out loud, I see how bad of an idea that was. But uh, 
So we get out in the parking lot, we're just riding around, and riding around really wasn't that bad. It was pretty bad, but it wasn't too bad. He, the trouble started was when he thought that he was good enough to start trying to do stuff. So he, cause, cause he was determined to ride this skateboard for me, you know, to, to please me. He was determined to do this, and so he was trying to do some, move, move the lip of the board back a little, like do some tricks, and all of a sudden, I look back and the board, it was like it was in slow motion, like I look back, it was like, no, boom, straight on his back, and I was like, oh man, my dad is going to die and it's all my fault, my mom's going to kill me, but it was because he was determined, and uh, that's, that's one kind of determination, but I think the real determination that I'm talking about is the spiritual determination that he has, like, like I said before, the warrior, you know, because as a Christian, I believe that that's how we should be. Sometimes we, we don't understand that we, we are warriors. When we sign up for being a Christian, it's not signing our name into heaven or anything like that. It, we do get to go to heaven, but we're signing up for a battle with the enemy, a real enemy, you know? And if we aren't determined, there's no way we're going to get through that. And uh, it's kind of funny. I didn't talk to my mom about uh, her message at all, but I also was reminded of King David, too, for my scripture. And my scripture is Psalms 119, 112. And it says, I am determined to keep, sorry, I am determined to keep your decrees to the very end. And uh, this is pretty cool because King David had, he went through a lot of stuff. Like, he went through a lot of bad stuff and a lot of hard stuff. But here he says, I'm determined to keep your decrees to the very end. Like, I've made up my mind that no matter what's going on and no matter what has happened, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to keep your degrees, decrees and I'm going to trust in you. And that's what we have to, that's what a leader has to do. We have to make up our mind that no matter what's going to happen or no matter what has happened, that we are going to follow God and we're going to trust in him. Because this next year, 2014, I hope that it's a great year for you. I pray that it is. You know, I hope it's blessings like you've never had before. But the reality is 2014 could be the worst year you've ever had. But you have to determine that even if it's the worst year you've ever had, that still you're going to follow God and you're going to trust God no matter what. Because like that song the, that we were singing, because even though that you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're still choosing to praise God no matter what. Because I just think, I don't know, I get so pumped up about this stuff. Because, I mean, if you're facing such a hard, difficult struggle in your life, and you say, man, I'm still going to praise God. I don't care. I'm determined to praise God. That's such a good testimony. Like, if someone sees you, they're, they're going to trust that we have a real, there's something to believe in, you know? It's easy to say, oh, that, that rich guy across the street with the nice cars and all the nice life, of course he's going to believe in God and he's going to trust in God. But when you're really needing to trust in God, that shows something because you may be facing a test right now, but that could soon turn into your testimony. And it's just like, it's crazy because, I don't know, I get so pumped about that. I, I need to calm down a little bit. <sighs> All right. But yeah, I'll preach this some other time. But uh, yeah, we, it takes determination. We can't just wake up one day and say we want to be a Christian because it's going to be a battle for us because there's a real enemy. But we also have a protector and a strength that's greater than the enemy. So that's what being determined is. It isn't about 
hiding behind God. It's about standing up to the enemy and saying, my God is bigger than you, and I'm not scared of what you... What? It's about going up to the devil and saying, is that the best you've got? It's not about going to God and bet, like, please get me out of this. It's about standing in what you're facing and saying, this is nothing. I, I will get over this. It might not be tomorrow. It might not be in a year. But eventually, there's going to be an end to the trouble, and it will be worth it. And that's something that I have learned from my dad because I think he's a great example of that because he's faced some, some bad stuff, and he's faced some situations that people would look at him and say, you know, man, I could understand you not wanting to be a Christian or you not wanting to do this, and it, they might even understand it. But he, he made up his mind a long time ago that no matter what happens, he's going to serve God and he's going to trust in him. And as a church, I think that that's how we should approach this next year. Not a, we should approach it trusting that God's going to bless us and all that and make it a great year. We should also, I think we should approach it that even if he doesn't, it's, we're still going to trust him. We're still going to praise him for it. And so let's, let's have determination in 2014. I just want to pray after that for altar call. So my D is disciplined, and we're talking about leadership again. <clears throat> and I want you to turn in your Bibles very quickly to 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. 1 Corinthians 9, 24, and we're going to read through 27. When you have it, I want you to say amen. I'm going to go ahead and read this, and I love the subtitle. Um, in my Bible, it says, the need for self-discipline. And this is the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like somebody running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air, nor I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. And I'm uh, just going to look at this passage and just pull a couple things from here. Verse 24, it says, do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way to get the prize. So obviously Paul is, is using um, track and using um, athletics to compare our journey with Christ. And he's encouraging his readers and he's saying, you know what, we are not called to just run or walk or, you know, wander aimlessly, but we're called to run um, and run as to get the prize. When I was growing up, um, I used to like to play sports and, and basketball and just whatever I can get my, you know, just get involved in and be a part of. Um, but I noticed that there was two different types of athletes out there. Um, there was one um, that was, you know, athletic and, and pretty, you know, had ability, and they would get on the basketball team or whatever team, the track team, and, uh, and they would just be on the team, and they would just be on there just to enjoy the ride, just to hang out with their buddies, you know, to be able to get on the bus and travel and, and compete and go to different places, and, you know, they were good, but they weren't really serious about what they were doing. But and then I noticed that there were some people that were, there were some athletes and people on the team that were very different. And they were focused. And they would actually spend time working on their uh, fundamentals. And they would work on these things so that they can get better, so that they can be as best as they can be 
in that sport. And so Paul's comparing two different types of athletes here. And he's saying, you know what, there's runners, but there's also prize runners. See, God has called us, church, to be prize runners. Not to just run aimlessly in this race, because we can do that. And there's times in our walk that I think we get a little distracted and we begin to wander a little aimlessly. But see, God is calling us to be focused, to be prize runners. I remember my, my two, one of my two buddies, and I, I thought of their names last night, Analdi and Kevin. And these guys were basketball players, man. And, uh, and they were so good. And every time I would see these guys, they were together and they were, they were practicing basketball. And they were on the basketball team and they weren't on there just for the ride. But these guys were determined to be the very best that they can be. And they, they did everything they could to improve their basketball game and their fundamentals. They didn't want to be ordinary. They wanted to be extraordinary. You know what? God has called us to do the same. To do our very best. To, to be disciplined in our walk with Christ. Verse 25. Paul also talks about says everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training they do it to get a crown that will not last but we do it to get a crown that will last for everybody everybody say strict training strict training see he's talking about our walk with God again we need to go into strict training I remember um, in 2012 right before Thanksgiving pastor Dave and I had the, the privilege of, of running a marathon and I know there's a couple people here now, I think second service. I know Ted and Snowdy, you guys ran several marathons, right? And I know Lisa, she's not here. Um, but if you, if you uh, know of somebody that's run a marathon, it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of just discipline to be able to get it done. And um, a marathon, if you don't know, it's, it's running 26.2 miles. And, um, and I remember some of the things, um, as I was thinking about strict training, some of the things that Pastor Dave and I had to do, uh, but we had to... We had to plan everything out, even, even as we were running the race, right? We had to plan when we were going to drink water, right? Because we didn't want to drink too much. We had to plan. We had these gels that we had in our pockets. And, you know, if we didn't have gels, it would be fruit snacks or something. We'd just be popping the fruit snacks. But we had these gels, and like every five miles, we would pop some gels. And they're just some carbs so you can get energized up to, to be able to keep running. We had to plan when we, want, we needed to change our socks, because our socks would get so drenched in, in water, uh, you know, just drenched in sweat that we had to kick our shoes off and change our socks. We had to change our shirts. We had to plan that out in the run. We had to change our Band-Aids, okay? I'll just let you use your imagination on that one. <laughs> we had to, we were running up to three times a week to the point where we were actually running 20 miles in one, at one point so that we can be ready for this marathon. And I'm not trying to tell you this. I'm not trying to toot my horn. I have a point in saying all this. But, you know, Pastor Dave and I, we were able to finish and, and finish that marathon. And we crossed the finish line. And here's a picture of us. I wish I could get the finish line there. But this is us at the very end. But I love this verse because Paul says in verse 25, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. At the end of our race, I got, we got this, um, this medal here, um, and I have it in my office, and I have it hanging there just to remind me of, of the strict training and the work that I put into this, and it's a good feeling. But you know what? I want to let you know today that this thing, uh, this thing can get lost. This thing can get uh, destroyed. It can get run over by a car or I don't know. 
But see, the race that we are running is for a crown that will last forever. See, we need to understand the importance of what we are, what we are running for. Church, you guys hear me? When we understand the, the importance of what we're running for, then everything changes. Our perspective changes because we realize that this is, this is not just something that I can give, give up, or, but this is life or death. This is, this is my, my eternity with Christ. See, we need to go into strict training. What does that look like? You know. What does it look like to be a, a Christian that's self-disciplined? Maybe, maybe it requires uh, just a little bit more discipline in our, in our quiet time with God. Maybe we started good, but we ended bad. Maybe it's a little more time, a little more discipline in the word of God. You know, one of the things that, uh, that's cool about being a pastor is that I get to pray in the sanctuary down here, right? Most of you can't say that about your jobs. Um, but, you know, in the mornings I come here and, and I, I just kind of open my Bible and I go to this little window right here. And sometimes I see some of, of you guys coming in here and praying. But one of the cool things um, that I love is um, every single day, uh, Pastor Steve is walking up and down this balcony. And he's praying. And he's starting his day off right. And I, I love that because um, that's such an example to me. Because it, it, it tells me, you know, my pastor prays. And it's important to do that. And he sets the example. And it's not something that he says from here and then doesn't do. But I see him every day walking up and down. And he's praying for you guys. He's praying for his family. He's praying for us. See, he understands that it's important. This walk with God, this self-discipline is important. It's needed. How important is your relationship with God? Is it a priority to you? When something is a priority, we make time. We take time to get it done. You know, we have priorities in our life. Some things we, we, we do no matter what happens. No matter what goes on in our life, we get it done because we see that as a priority. See, God needs to be a priority, church. We need, to, we need to change some things this new year. We need to juggle some things around because you know what? You can't have two number ones. You know, you need to shift some things. See, when we understand the importance of our walk with Christ, then things will begin to change in our lives. Let's make God our priority this year. Lastly, here I, I see in verse 26, it says, Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air, nor I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. For the prize. And I like this because Paul throws out a warning. And I think it's a warning for the church. It's not for unbelievers, but it's for believers. And he, he says, you know what, be careful that after doing all that we've done and coming to church and all this, and, and, and after doing all this, that we won't get disqualified ourselves. We're going to have to be careful. How do, we, how do you get disqualified when you're running a race? Well, you break the rules. If you, if you false start a couple times, then you're out of the race. How do, we, how do we get disqualified? Sin disqualifies us. If we get off course enough, church, we can end up falling into sin. The enemy is crouching. He's waiting. He's waiting for his opportunity to pounce. So let's be self-disciplined. Let's be focused in our walk. 
And I'm going to close with a verse, and, and it's James 4, 8. But it says, come near to God, and he will come near to you. And as I read this verse, I'm reminded that God is in our corner. He desires us to, to win and be victorious and successful in this walk with Christ. And he's waiting for us to draw near to him. He's just waiting. He's waiting for you to draw near to him. Let's make some changes this year, church. Let's be self-disciplined in our walk with Christ. And you know what that looks like in your life. It might be spending time with God. Spending your devotional time with God every single day. It might be reading his word. It might be giving consistently. It may be serving. It may be getting plugged into ministry. But you know what it is. But I pray that you would just, you would just uh, share that with God. And he'll illuminate and he'll guide you into where you need to go. Amen. I have to bring my iPad up so I have a place to put my notes. Hey, uh, mine is undependable. Um, dependable. When the D's were being tossed around, I couldn't even figure out it was either going to be dumb or... <laughs> no, you know. But dependable and depends and 50 all kind of went together anyway, so. Hey, um, dependable. Let's go to Webster, and Webster's uh, the best source for what's dependable. Capable of being depended on, worthy of trust, reliable, and dependable. The synonyms for being dependable is trustworthy, trusty, trusted, steadfast, faithful, and responsible. Faithful. Uh, you know, you Google dependable uh, in, the, in the Bible, and uh, it doesn't come up with much. Google faithful, and you've got some stuff, right? So, some scripture verses. Um, I've got some points. You guys, you know, we want to do this right, right, Elliot? we got to have points, too, because if we don't have points that match, we didn't do a good job either. Uh, God is faithful. Right? God is dependable. We look for God first, right? That's who we look to first is God. And God is faithful. God's dependable. 1 Corinthians 1.19. God is faithful for who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So our first example of what's dependable, what's faithful is God. He's faithful to us. Second is his word. Is his word faithful? Is his word dependable? Of course. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made. In him was life, and there was life put in the light of mankind. We're talking about Jesus being the light, being the word. So the word is faithful. The word is, the word is uh, dependable. Is Jesus dependable? Jesus is dependable. Why is Jesus dependable? Because he's shown by his action, by his deeds, that, he's, that he will do things 
for us and not for himself. He died on a cross, not for himself. He died on a cross for us. He shed blood for us. Revelations 1, 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Jesus is dependable. We call out on the name of Jesus, and what happens? The devil flees. Healing comes. Life comes. Call on the name of Jesus, and you will be saved. That's life. That's the gospel. Do you know that there, uh, in the Bible there are faithful and dependable servants of God? Yeah. I, I went old school. I didn't pick any of the disciples because they were all, you know, probably around Jesus' age anyway, you know, 33, 34. So I went to the old guys for the old guy. He had Enoch. Enoch was old. But he was found faithful. He was found dependable. He went 800 years. Did we go 800 years, Pastor Steve? I don't know. <laughs> Genesis 5, uh, 23, 24. Hey, Noah was found in favor of God, right? Noah was dependable. There was nobody left on earth that God could depend on other than Noah. Noah was found faithful. Hey, Moses, talk about old guys. Moses was faithful. Hebrews 3, 2. And he was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful to all of God's house. Elders, those that are appointed to um, do the house cleaning and housework of the church, uh, the servants of the church, they're to be faithful and be, and be dependable. In Titus 1, 6, an elder must be blameless, blameless and faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and do not open, is not open to charge of being wild or disobedient. Faithful. Faithful and dependable. We look at this this house. We look at Pastor Steve as our as our leader, as our pastor. As appointed, we may have had a vote a few years ago that let him have the office of pastor, but he's appointed by God to be the leader of the house. Amen. And his faithfulness. And his, and his responsibility of being dependable to God mirrors what happens to us in this house. Don't think for a minute that if the leader is one way up here behind this sacred desk and another way somewhere else, that the flowing of God's spirit would be the stream that it is. That doesn't happen by accident, folks. Take it from another old guy. It doesn't happen. You can, you can fake 
a lot of things, but you can't fake the Spirit of God. In Exodus 17, verses 10 through 13, I'm going to go back to Moses, and it just prompted me while I was sitting there listening to, yeah, Exodus 17, 10 through 13. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses and Aaron and Hud went up to the top of the hill, and as long as Moses held up his hands and the Israelites were winning, but whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. And when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it underneath him, and he sat down on it. We're letting him sit down today. Aaron and her held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekites' army with the sword. You need to be dependable, church. You need to be dependable to the pastor and to each other. Has to be able to rely on you. Because that prophet's hands gets tired. That prophet's hands get weary. And he needs us. It isn't just take, take, take. Draw, draw, draw. It's give and take. So we have to honor where honors do. We have to give credit where credit's due. We give glory and honor to God. But God appointed Pastor Steve Bland to this house. And it's by that obedience and by that faithfulness that we're able to not only survive, but thrive and look for great things in 2014. Amen? Amen. All right. We're going to wrap this up. We know that a leader is undignified. We know that a leader is determined. A leader is disciplined. A leader is dependable. And the final deal I want to bring to you is a leader is dedicated. A good leader is dedicated to, to what they're leading. You know, and, and Pastor Steve is, is, he is dedicated to leading this house. He's dedicated to leading his family. He's dedicated to leading this staff. He's dedicated to what he's leading. I know with his family that there's no doubt on the priorities that Pastor Steve has. God is first. Then there's Karen. And then there's the kids. And then there's us. There's no doubt. He's leading correctly. He's dedicated to leading his family correctly. He's dedicated to leading this staff. I know that there will be several times that I, I'm a question guy. I like to ask a lot of questions. And so I'll just go into his office and I'll, I'll ask him, why does the church do this, that, this way? And he'll give me an answer. Or I'll ask him, how do, how do I uh, talk to this sister Hootie Who and brother Ben out of shape when they're upset? And he'll, he'll walk me through it. He'll help me through it. He's, he's dedicated to leading the staff. He's dedicated to leading us. 
He's dedicated to, to leading this church. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but, but he goes away a couple times a year, and he just prays, and he fasts, and he hears from God on where this body is to go, on what this church is to be doing. He's dedicated to that. And he's dedicated to protecting us. He's dedicated to guiding us. He's dedicated to leading us each and every week into the presence of God. That's dedication. He's dedicated to leading. But the most important thing is he is dedicated to God. He's dedicated to God. There's, there's no question that he is, he is a man that is sold out. Pastor Steve, thank you for being sold out, for being dedicated to God, for an example that we can see every single thing. He's sold out. And, and I want a pastor like that. I want a pastor in my life that is dedicated to God because I want to be that pastor. I want to be that family man. I want to be that, that individual. I want to be that Christian that is sold out and dedicated to God. I want to be that leader. And I believe that, that Pastor Steve has a desire for all of us to become a dedicated leader, to be a devoted leader to him, to, to the things of God, to God and to the things of God. And there's a scripture verse that is so perfect. And, and Pastor Moses, he said that earlier. And, and Pastor Moses, I'm going to invite you to come up. It's James 4, 8. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Come near to God, and he's going to come near to you. Basically, he's saying, be dedicated to God, and be dedicated to the things of God, and he's going to be with you. If you want your leadership to go to another level, you want your family to go to another level, you want anything in your life to go to another level, then you need to draw near to God. You need to be dedicated to Him. And He's going to be right there. Your faith can go to another level in 2014. Your family, your finances, your health, your leadership, anything can go to another level if you draw near to God. And let Him draw near to you. And not only are you going to go to another level, but you have something else. When you draw near to God, you've got an ally. You've got a friend. You've got, you've got a God that, that loves you. You've got a father. It's so important that, that we draw near to God. And that really is the key to leadership, I think. And Pastor Steve is such a great example of drawing near to God. Drawing near to God. So I want you to think. Do you want to be a better leader in 2014? Do you want to be a better husband? Do you want to be a better worker? Do you want to be a better Christian? Do you want to be better at anything in 2014? Then draw near to God. You know the scripture, come near to God. I love it because he, he's there just waiting. He's got his arms open. And he's saying, come on. Come on. It's so important. You know, I believe that, that God is is positioning us. He's positioned us to do great things this next year. He's positioned us and he has put in, in, in the path a great leader to lead us. And so I want you to think, where do you fall? Are you, are you an undignified leader? Do you, need a, do you need help in that? Are you a determined leader? Are you a disciplined leader? Are you a dependable leader? Are you a dedicated leader? Are you dedicated to God? I'm not sure where you fall, but God is challenging us to do something different this new year. He's challenging us. And the, the awesome thing about it is, Pastor Steve, we've got a good teacher in you. We've got a good example. 
thank you. Thank you for your leadership. I want you to bow your heads. I want you to just think about you. Think about your leadership. Think about where you're at in, in, in this year and where you want to start this new year. And whatever D you might struggle with, just begin to put that before God. And let Him deal with you on that. Father, I, I pray today, as you see all of our hearts, God, you know the desires that, that our heart has. You know that we want to be better for you, God. We want to be a better leader. We want to go to new levels in you. And so, God, we just want to ask for your help. Help us, God, to be undignified. Help us, God, to be determined, to be disciplined, to be dependable. Help us, God, to be dedicated to you and to the things that you are, that you have, that you are. God, we're so grateful for this church. We're so grateful for the, the pastor that you've sent us, the leader. And God, we pray your blessing upon him. We pray your blessing upon this congregation, Father, as we look to this new year for great things, exciting things. God, you're so good. We just want to say thank you. Amen. Amen. I want to invite uh, Debbie. Debbie's going to share something real quick. Now, some of you were here when Pastor Steve was our music pastor. And when he was our music pastor and Pastor Yarbrough was leaving, then I began to pray, who's going to be our new pastor? And the Lord gave me this verse. The angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And the Lord said, that is the man who is sent to this house to bring the good news. And from the very first time when Pastor Steve started, he was the interim pastor at that point, but when he came and he stood behind the pulpit, he was transformed into the man who was not the music pastor anymore, although he is incredibly gifted in music. God anointed him to be the man of God who would come to this pulpit and bring news for this people. But it says in this verse, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. Pastor Steve gets into the presence of God and he is in the presence of God every week. And that is the message that he brings to us. Pastor Steve is a man who declares the message of God. And he declares that message of God to this people, to this house, because he has been appointed by God to be the man that would be in God's presence and then bring the message of God to us. He declares the word of God. Our job, actually we have two. 
Our job is to pray for him. That's our responsibility. He's our leader, and we need to pray for him. It's not easy being the pastor. It's not easy being the pastor's wife or the pastor's kids. We need to pray for them. The second half of our responsibility is we need to follow him in declaring the word of God. We need to declare the word of God to the people that would never come in here. We need to declare the word of God just as he declares the word of God to us. And we need to pray for our pastor. He doesn't have an easy job. It's hard being the leader of us. It's hard. Because, you know, we're not all perfect. When we get to heaven someday, we'll be perfect. But we're not perfect now. And we need to pray for our leader. That he will declare to us the message that God puts in him. That he will not water it down or, or preach it so it'll be easy for us to take it. That he will preach the word of God. The word that God puts in him. That he will bring it to us. And then we will in turn declare to others the word of God. All right. I know we've, we've kept you a little longer, but one more thing is I'm going to invite Pastor Steve, would you come here? And we just want to pray over you. Let's do, let's do this. Grab your family. And church, can you just gather around our pastor? And let's, let's cover him in prayer this morning. Let's cover him in prayer. Just surround him. And let's begin to, let's begin to pray. Lord God. We lift up Pastor Steve to you. We pray that this man that you have put in this house, we pray that day after day, that week after week, you will anoint him. You have appointed him for this house. And we pray that you will anoint him day after day to be the leader that this house needs, to be the declarer of the word of God that you have appointed him to be. We pray, Lord, that every day that you will sustain him, that you will sustain his family, that he will have the presence of the Almighty God with him every day. He will have the presence. He will have the peace of God. Lord, we pray that he will be the man that you have appointed him to be, that he will follow you every single day. We put a hedge of protection over his family. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would protect them all for Karen, for Elliot, for Butler, for Daisy, that you would protect them. Put your hedge of protection on them, Lord. Protect their minds, their hearts, their souls, Lord Jesus. Protect Pastor Steve, the man that you have put into this house to declare your words to this people. Bless them, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Just two more things before you guys get out of here um, this afternoon. Um, first thing is life groups. We are still taking sign-ups at the life group table. I believe Robin and Dave are back there. And if you are not connected or plugged into a life group, uh, or if you would like to transfer to a different one, 
um, please sign up at the desk. Um, today, there's also a New Believers Life Group starting this next semester. Um, and it is for anyone uh, that desires to learn the fundamentals of um, our, the Bible and the fundamentals of the Christian faith. And so we would love for you to get connected to that life group. Second thing is uh, in the back, you're going to see something that looks like this. It's a 21-day fasting and prayer journal. We are starting a Daniel's fast uh, January 1st. And um, this um, is actually 21 days uh, where you can be able to follow through and we can be able to pray about the same thing um, and be on the same page and also give some direction and some, uh, if you don't know too much about the Daniel fast, it gives some clarity and some direction on that. So please grab one of those, and I hope that you would uh, join us in this 21-day fast. Thank you. God bless.